Hey, Verbivores. Welcome back to the Verba Coffee Chat Podcast. In today's episode, I'm sitting down with Suzanne Donnelly from the Bronco Bookstore at Cal Poly Pomona and our own account exec, Tom Herzl. Listen in as Suzanne shares how she increased Cal Poly's instant access program by 400% during the fall term and learn how she got faculty on board. Hey, Suzanne, how are you? I'm good. How are you? Good. Thanks so much for joining us on this episode of the Verba Coffee Chat series. We are super excited to have you and um, share all the amazing insight and wisdom that you bring to this industry and to your store. Um, So thanks for joining us today. Well, I don't know about insider wisdom, but I'm happy to be here and be nerdy about digital books. Yes, we love nerds at Verba Vital Source. Bring it on. And I also have with us Tom Herzl, our account exec, who is a longtime bookstore friend as well. So welcome to the podcast, Tom. Thank you. It's good to be here with everybody. Feel free to also nerd out about fun bookstore stuff with us. (laughs) All right. So Suzanne, there's a ton of amazing stuff coming out of your store, and we just want to talk through... um, some of those great things that you're doing. I think the best thing to start with is is maybe recognizing kind of obviously COVID has happened. What were some of the things and actions that your store had to take and to um, react? So obviously when the word um, came down from the California State University Chancellor's Office that all instruction would be virtual, both for summer term and fall, we knew we needed to figure some things out really fast. And we knew um, that it really wasn't going to make a whole lot of sense to just keep ordering physical books as if everything was situation normal. Our staff had been greatly reduced. We had to lay off all of our students. For a while, we were working from home and then we were alternating being in the store with days off. So there just weren't enough boots on the ground and hands physically present to, to deal with that logistical challenge, if nothing else. So we immediately started going back through all of our summer and fall adoptions because um, at that point in um, mid to late March, we basically had all of the summer adoptions in and you know about half of the fall ones in. So we'd already made a whole bunch of stocking decisions that we then had to go back and revisit. I remember that we tuned in for one of your guys' uh, webinars actually on, on how things were going, what you were seeing from the spring quarter stores the difference in performance between stores that leaned heavily into digital versus those that didn't. So we made a decision we were going to uh, lean heavily into digital. Uh, If there was a digital version of a book, um, we would try to convince faculty to go IA. If we couldn't get them to go IA, we would still either not stock or stock very lightly the physical book. So uh, we went from a situation where we had about 70 courses that were instant access in spring semester and 300 for fall semester. That's awesome. So when you were communicating to faculty, what message did you find resonated most with them? Was it affordability? Was it ensuring students had access because of obviously being online? Like what message you know resonated most to get them to move to digital? The affordability and access pieces were probably tied for, for most important. The other thing we played up in addition to the immediate access was the, the safety of it. It's like, you know, students don't have to leave their house. They don't have to go out and get exposed to anything. 
They don't have to even go to the mailbox and pick up an Amazon package. That's such a great point. I think we found, you know, as COVID struck, access obviously resonating, but affordability has kind of always been the first and foremost, but I think that swapped a little bit with COVID and access became important. And I I think you're right. Safety is a huge factor as that's everyone's, you know, number one priority as we navigate, you know, the pandemic and and how we're delivering course materials is the safety of of everyone and, you know, our SOAR teams and our students and, and everyone on our campus. The inclusive access growth at Cal Poly Pomona was explosive. Keep listening as Suzanne shares reactions from students and faculty, along with ways her store is supporting the rapid scale of digital. How would you gauge the faculty reaction and student reaction to having taken a much deeper dive into digital? It kind of comes in two strains. It's kind of like the the little girl with the the curl in the middle of her forehead. The people who like it really like it, you know, and and the ones who don't really don't. Um, We had an unsolicited student newspaper write-up of the program right at the beginning of the semester that was enormously positive. I mean, we we all got the email link for it. And at first we were like, oh my God, here it comes. And we opened up and it was good. But we, you know, we definitely had our fair share of emails from students saying this isn't fair. Nobody told us about this. I didn't sign up for it. And I I think you're always going to get that with an inclusive access program. You can mitigate it and and try and reduce it with communicating and outreach and all of that, but you're always just going to have some people who just fundamentally find the concept of it unpalatable and unfair. That's just human nature. Um, On the faculty side, again, we had some who said yes to it and didn't realize completely what it meant. And then when their students freaked out at them, they kind of changed their minds about it. Mostly what we got from faculty, though, was they needed more resources, they needed more support, which is, you know, why we've created some of the things that we have now. They kind of felt like they were trying to figure out how to do instant access at the same time as they were trying to figure out how to teach online and all of that. So where we had negative feedback from faculty, it was more about that than about the concept of the program itself. Can you share some of the resources and um, just different tactics that you then used or pivoted to to kind of aid with those faculty, you know, questions that they were having? What are some of the resources that you have now to Um, you know, help them. We'd always had an FAQ page geared to students from the beginning of our our pilot program with IAA. And we realized as we were heading into this semester and we were getting all of those panicked faculty that we needed to do something like that for them. So we created a landing page under our faculty resources menu on our website that was specifically IAA dedicated. And it had, you know, basic explainers about what the program is. It had sample language to put in your syllabus to explain it to students. It had kind of a best practices sheet. And then as we got more specific instructions from publishers about how to link material, um, we added those there. We added an instructional video from you guys on how to set up the the vital source ebook links. So we had all of that, well, not all, but most of that set up by about the beginning of this semester. What we're doing now is we're having a series of meetings with faculty to promote that page to them. So we're hoping that that, the awareness of that resource will be a a lot greater for spring. You've been kind enough to invite me to some of those faculty meetings um, over the last several weeks. And when I've sat, you know, and listened to what faculty have asked and as they have responded to these new concepts, it's, it's really been amazing to see the light come on 
and see how much more comfortable they become with the program when you host events like that. I, I, you know, I just wanted to commend you for that because I think, you know, having been in a campus store myself uh, and understanding the faculty trepidation was something that's kind of a new concept. They like to control everything for a good reason, but it sure is nice to see a program that you have there with the faculty where you provide an opportunity for them to become comfortable with the technology, with what the student experience is like, uh, where they can go for training to the campus store, to your webpage and so forth. I just wanted to let you know that I think that that's been a good program. And I just from observation, I've seen some really positive things come from that. Well, I appreciate that, Tom. Um, I think even from my perspective, since it's, it's been many, many a long moon since I've been a student using textbooks, I won't say exactly how long, but ebooks were certainly not a thing then. It's been valuable for me to, to take a deeper dive into what these critters actually look like to students. You can see faculty transitioning from this is kind of a stopgap thing that we're doing because the whole world's crazy and we're trying to save money for students to, oh, there's actually something really valuable intrinsically to this format. And there are tools here that maybe I hadn't been aware of and I can now tell my students about them. And that's been, that's been gratifying. I think you bring up such a great point around um, if anyone heard our podcast a few weeks ago, kind of the changing role in course materials and what the campus stores role looks like in that. And, and you're describing just that it's, it's faculty education, it's training and awareness. And it's great that we can move to digital for all the different reasons, but I love seeing the active role that stores are playing um, in that, like teaching and education of, you know, transitioning to this different content form format. So I think that's awesome you seem really comfortable with all things digital. How did you, I mean, you've been in this industry for how many years? Oh, let's see, 20, 26. I mean, you're kind of legendary. So how did you go from all the traditional ways of distributing and, and getting content to the hands of students to being so comfortable with digital so quickly yourself and for your team? Well, I don't know that I would entirely agree with the, the concept that, that I am as, as super comfortable with digital personally as all that. I guess as, as a media consumer in the 21st century, I mean, everything around us is digital anyway. You know, we, we have our streaming, all of our entertainment stuff. So why not our educational content as well? I've never been wedded to that, oh, but we've always done it this way idea. I think that that gets you in trouble so fast. Failure to adapt is what kills species. I've never wanted to be so stuck doing the same things that I can't learn something new or find something out and go, oh, that's cool. So I always, you know, defended the print book model and the used book marketplace in particular as something that was valuable to students in the early days of digital. I never said digital wouldn't come or it wouldn't be valuable, but I always said it's not going to completely replace print. And I still hold to that. But I think that the, the balance of where content is, is going to shift. And because of COVID, it's, it's that shift has accelerated mightily. We've hit the tipping point maybe a year or two sooner than we otherwise would have. We're still going to have to be managing all of those physical supply chain issues, but they're going to go from being 90% of our business to being, you know, 20 or 25% or less. I think adaptation is so important. We need to find ways to be agile and mobile. And I think you've described that very well. I, I think that in today's world of higher ed, you know, across the board, not just course materials, but instructors have had to follow that same line of thinking. I need to adapt. 
students have had to learn to adapt administrations. NCAA sports teams have had to yep. learn how to adapt. You got to either embrace that adaptation and change, or you're going to be you metaphorically and your store and students and the supportive faculty is going to be left behind. Suzanne and her team have been creative in adapting to new demands brought on by the pandemic. Stay tuned as we chat about how partnerships played a critical role in the store's ability to grow their instant access program. Speaking of tools and kind of arrows in your quiver, um, I know that at your campus store, you utilize Watchmen to help you with your program. Can you describe kind of what Watchmen is and what they're doing for you and, and your campus store and your students? They're a payment solutions company um, that, that kind of specializes in the higher ed space. We've been working with them already. They, they'd helped us create our financial aid charging program. And then they came to us with the, um, the proposal that they could help facilitate our IA charging process. We had just gotten to where um, charges were being pushed directly from Verba to PeopleSoft, but it wasn't catching students who um, were on different third-party payment programs. So every campus has a whole bucket load of different programs like that. And on our campus, it's a pretty significant number of students who qualify for those types of aid. It was not going to work when we got to 300 classes and 22,000 students. Watchman being able to come in and say, hey, we can do, you know, you load your third-party account payment into our interface, and we will run those instant access charges through that list first, and then push what's remaining into student accounts. And, you know, it'll all look the same to you. That was a godsend. What role have your publishing partners played in the growth of your program? What does that look like? They have been really key to it. One of the things that we've done as we have headed into our, our rollout of opening adoptions for the past at least three semesters now is before we send the message out to faculty and departments saying, okay, it's open, start submitting your adoptions, we send a message out to all of our pub reps with the current IA marketing we have saying, you know, when you talk to faculty about IA, please use these pieces, please have them contact these people in the store. These are the, the guidelines for the courses that we feel are appropriate to go after. You know, it obviously courseware is one category. You know, it's an expensive book and the ebook pricing is good. It's a relatively new edition. So there are 5,000 used copies on Amazon. What I, what I heard you say is that you provide training for your publisher's reps. And I think that's a kind of a paradigm shift for a lot of course material managers and is you really do have to have some sort of a training program about how IA works on your campus. And I think that that's really a key component. It's really, it becomes a difficult challenge if, if you don't have that sort of connection with your publisher rep friend. I really appreciated hearing that because I, from my own experience, I, I know that that's very, very true. And, and you're to be commended for that effort. I think that's the great thing with IA. It's really bridged that gap between publishers and campus stores because it, it really eliminates the need for those direct links. It creates a partnership. It truly is a win-win for the store, the publisher, and the student. And so I think that that's been one of the, the big things I know I've seen across the board and experience in my own store growing IA is, is those publisher relationships I think could grow a lot and there's a lot more collaborative effort. And I think it's great that you took that time to kind of establish those ground rules, talk about your program as, as Tom mentioned and really level set with them because at the end of the day, like we all, you know, want to do the right thing. And, and if that's, you know, 
that's getting the content to the student and doing it on day one at an affordable price, like makes the most sense. Well, that's a great way to wrap up. We appreciate you so much, Suzanne. I think you're you're such a leader in the industry and um, we truly look up to you and we love all the amazing things that you're doing and how you're being so creative and, and ultimately how you're just rising to the call of, of meeting the needs of your students as they rapidly shifted the last eight months. Um, I think that it's just commendable, um, all the amazing things that you're doing. So thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you guys. I appreciate that. And I appreciate all the help and support you've given us in, in getting this program to the level it is. We could not have done it without you. Thank you. Teamwork makes the dream work is what I always say. Thanks for listening. Such a great story and insight from an industry legend. Make sure you subscribe to the Verba Coffee Chat podcast on your favorite podcast platform. So you always know when another episode drops.